0: Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com Since the fall man, a war has raged between good and evil. Over the centuries this war has distorted the truth. Now the truth is perceived as lies and lies acknowledged as truth. To this day, the battle continues as we investigate and debate the truth behind the history and mystery of the universe, we are Paratruth Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's episode of Paratruth Radio. For years, the entertainment industry has created media to move viewers into a new reality. But very few have come as close as Orson Welles when he heard his 1938 broadcast of the War of the Worlds. What you hear tonight on the show may be disturbing. The reenactments may be off par. But remember, even a fictional story can create panic and fear amongst an unknown people. Tonight, Parachute presents
1: the infamous War of the Worlds. What's up, ParaFans? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. Hey, and
0: I'm Eric. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and while you're listening to the show tonight, I want you guys to check out our website, paratruthradio.com, where you can learn more about us and what we do. Also, feel free to look into our Patreon account on the homepage at paratruthradio.com and help to continue bringing the world fresh, entertaining media each and every week. And by
0: contributing, you'll become an executive producer of an upcoming episode of Paratruth Radio and officially become part of the Paratruth family, which will include a special monthly behind-the-scenes access to our production. All right, man. How has your week been so far? My week has been okay. Ups and downs and mostly just lazy.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, after getting a script written, maybe a couple scripts written, I don't blame you for being (laughs) lazy for... Yeah.
0: Well, I'll tell you, you know, it's been tough. I I know some of you out there are probably in the same boat as me or have been in the past where uh, you're just having difficulty finding work and getting a job. Now, I've been out of school for almost nearly two months now, I think, close to it, and yet have have yet to find any work. So, you know, it's a little frustrating, you know, emailing a bunch of people and stuff and just not – most people just not even responding, you know. It's really kind of – it's tough, but uh, but um, you know what? It's okay because I got the radio show right now. Uh, I've got family and friends who are willing to help
1: out, so it's it's a tough tough season, but it's okay. I think uh, God has a plan for all of us, and it just comes in His time, not our time. So <laughs> right. <laughs> so I completely get where you're coming from. I mean, just as we, I was getting ready to get married, I was. Without a job, so I completely mm-hmm. understand. So it's just one of those things you got to get through it, and when you get that job, you're like, woohoo! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, folks, we've got a pretty awesome episode this week. We kind of covered a little bit about it last week with Kay Carswell on our Mass Hysteria
2: mm-hmm.
1: episode, and this is going to be about Orson Welles' War of the World broadcast. Now, why get into that? Uh, Orson Welles was basically a, uh innovator in, in this industry, and it's one of those things that caused a huge uprise, and we wanted to cover it a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. Before we get started, I want you guys to hear this intro to this show or this uh, broadcast that he did because we're going to get into something as to – what happened after the, this intro. So here it is.
2: The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Orson Welles and the Mercury Theater on the air in The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells.
1: Okay, so at the very beginning, this guy comes on and says, this is a, a production of by Orson Welles and the company that he was with. The Mercury Theater. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> just from hearing that, you would think, why was there so much uproar, uproar about this particular broadcast? Well, Eric when you were doing research on this, what did you come across? Well, it's really interesting because the the show actually, uh, and or aired, I should say, it might be easier
0: uh, on Sunday, October 30th at 8 PM. Now what's interesting is at the time there was another show on NBC that most people typically tuned into on Sundays. Uh, and that was a show by, uh, a show by ventriloquist Edgar Bergen, uh, and his dummy, Charlie McCarthy. Now, that show ended a little bit after 8 o'clock, and Orson Welles's War of the Worlds had aired on CBS at 8 p.m. What the issue was is that people missed a whole beginning dialogue there mm. and didn't tune in until 8.12. Because of that, Orson Welles was already pretty deep into the story uh, of the War of the Worlds, and people began to think that it was a real thing happening, something was really happening. and I think the reason be- it, the reason behind it is that when they tuned in, there was music playing on CBS mm. as part of the story, mm. and immediately somebody cut in and cut off the music and interrupted the program to say, "Hey, there's something happening in the country right now while we're being invaded by some kind of weird you know." entity and they did, you know it's not till later on in the story that you begin to re- learn and realize that they're aliens mm. so people really began to get scared because the fact that they missed the intro stating that hey this is just a fictional piece of work so yeah
1: well and it's i i mean i i guess i understand i i love my particular shows i mean nowadays we have dvr you know ever since we've been growing up we've had recording devices to go back Mm -hmm. and listen to the stuff or watch stuff. So you you really can't miss an intro unless you're fast forwarding through it. Right. So it's kind of interesting to learn this because I mean, like I said, you know, if you're understanding that there was this intro played and then you know the facts that a lot of people started freaking out about this, it's like, why were people freaking out about this he clearly says it was a fictional thing so mm-hmm. it's kind of uh hard to understand but at the same time if pretty much the entire or a lot of the united states were tuning in to a previous broadcast and they missed that i mean i i can understand that
0: yeah, yeah. well and what's interesting is like <clears throat> nowadays we have television that's Constantly playing the news, right? No mm-hmm. matter what, if something big happens, there's every single news channel uh, imaginable yeah. is, is broadcasting something. Well, back then, when people were tuning in, they typically didn't switch the tuner to find out what other people were saying. They just listened to that one show, uh, and, and of course, if they would have turned the channel, they would realize the show wasn't playing anywhere else because of the fact that there was no, there was, you know, there was there was no story to bring because it wasn't really happening, yeah. uh, and. Unfortunately, it's, it's, well, it's not unfortunate, but it's funny to us. You know, like how can somebody, anybody, especially a million people fall for this and believe that it's real when there is no evidence to support it other than whatever's happening on that one channel? And it's interesting because it didn't happen too far away from New York. And New York is a big bustling place. Uh, but it had, the story took place in a farmer's field in Grover's Mill, uh, Grover's Mills, New Jersey. So you would think that if something was really happening, it would have just traveled everywhere throughout the country w- within a few, you know, minutes, and let a, maybe an hour, you know, whatever. But it didn't happen, and unfortunately, people just started freaking out. Uh, and there was a story that uh, one woman actually ended up running into the middle of a church service during the show. So scared, she ran into the middle of the church service, interrupted the preacher. And yelled at everybody how New York has been destroyed and the world is going, is being destroyed and everyone needs to get out of here right now and do what they can to survive. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty crazy. Today, people probably just look at the person and think they're crazy. But back then, you know,
1: times have changed. Well, I mean, that kind of depends on how faithful some people are, I guess. Because I mean, if somebody ran up to a, Somebody like you, you who's deep into the Bible studies and everything else and said, oh, my God, this is happening. The the world is ending. In a sense, I would think your mind would go to, oh, crap, what do I do next? Not <laughs> you, you're crazy. But, right. yeah, from the general population, it'd be like, are you serious? Get out of here. There's way worse things happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting. You know, they go
0: into the thing is that the uh, Mercury Theater Company, the actors from the Mercury Theater Company, including Orson Welles, were so dead on in their actor portrayals regarding, like, just the fearfulness of an event like this happening. You know, mm-hmm. that, I think that's what really helped move people and made them believe that something was really happening. I mean, and the the detail, you know, is so significant. You know, especially with radio, you have to be very detailed in order to develop a picture or an image for people to see because you're not actually we don't have the TV to, for people to watch. Right. So, you know, and it's I'm going to read this real quick because I think it's it's pretty cool when you just think about the details that come together to form the image in your own mind. And mind you, like people are are imaginative; they're going to think a couple of different things uh, based on this detail. Mm. But, uh, during the announcement or the broadcast, one of the announcers came on and he was supposedly at the crash site, uh, describing the Martians emerging from a metallic cylinder. And he said, good heavens, something wriggling out of the shadow like a gray snake. Now here's another one and another one. They look like tentacles to me. I can see the thing's body now. It's large, large as a bear. It glistens like wet leather. But that face, it, it, ladies and gentlemen, it's indescribable. I can hardly force myself to keep looking at it. It's so awful. The eyes are black and gleam like a serpent. The mouth is kind of V-shaped and saliva dripping from its rimless lips that seem to quiver and pulsate. I mean, you know, when you're an actor and you're describing it in a fearful manner, this begins to seem really real, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's, Frightening. He even goes on to talk about how the. I mean, mo- most of you have all watched War of the Worlds, you know, seen the movies, either one. Uh, <clears throat> but it, he goes on to talk about how the Martians mounted the war machines and started firing heat rays and annihilating a force of 7,000 National Guardsmen uh, after being attacked by artillery and bombers, um, and then going on to release poisonous gas, which eventually killed everybody else in the area so you know it's it's pretty crazy
1: yeah it's definitely interesting i mean in that day and age it's interesting to see how real it got and it got real pretty quickly just by list the listeners let alone the actors doing it Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing that i found really interesting doing research on this was seeing the background images of him getting ready for this and, you know, the actors all getting in line and getting ready to go. In, in your research, and I honestly didn't research the script or what he was doing behind the scenes, did they all have like a full written script? Was it some of it um, um, done on, on the whim, you know? No, I mean, the whole thing was written out uh, and the script is actually available
0: online if you wanted to read it. Uh, And I didn't read through all of it, but I was reading through most of it. And it's really interesting because it's not it's not written like a film script, you know, it's radio. So there's really long, blocky uh, descriptions. Um, And I think that's one of the big things is most of it isn't like in a film script, you're going to see an action, which is could be a description of something happening or what somebody's doing, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have the dialogue, what the person's saying. Well, in this this particular script for Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, it was really just dialogue that was describing the action. So it's really lengthy, really blocky. Uh, and, of course, it's broken up from announcer to narrator to this to that, et cetera, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And so people were constantly jumping in onto the mics uh, speaking the new role, uh, their roles. Um, and it's probably a pretty good, like a pretty elaborate production. They actually spent the time rehearsing it. Uh, but it's safe to say that there probably wasn't enough microphones to go around for everybody, considering there were quite a few people who had chimed in on this subject. So they're probably jumping in and out of the microphones and trying their best not to make too much noise. Uh, and then on top of it, this is all real time. So this isn't a pre record. So even though while everyone is acting, Orson Welles is there getting all the sound effects ready to go, too. And he's hitting the sound effects while everyone else is doing their thing on the acting side and whatnot. And it just came together to be really magnificent,
1: but again, really scary at the time. Well, one thing that kind of interests me on this was, you know, when the broadcast had finally ended and. It was the next day Orson Welles went on air to say, you know, that he did not intend to cause mass hysteria. It was it was just a fictional broadcast, you know, and stuff that I came across said he kind of changed his tune. Depending on who he was talking to later on in life, and he had even said, yes, I did intend that. Do you think he really intended mass hysteria through doing this, or do you think this was just a fictional thing for him and it had nothing to do with causing mass hysteria? No. I mean, I think it was just a story. You know, it's entertainment.
0: Um, I think the hist- mass hysteria thing was an unfortunate side effect of the broadcast, but I don't think it was intentional. That, I mean, that wouldn't even make sense because. You know, now now you're we're getting to the whole conspiracy side of things and believing that his whole point was to create this hysteria and get people freaked out to the point of maybe committing suicide, uh, such as the rumors stated there were, although there weren't any confirmed reports of suicide during the time um, or people just like rioting and trying to get to safety. And I mean, and it's it's there's legit evidence that New York, the streets of New York were just packed you know they're they're booked up and just dead stop traffic because people are trying to get out of the city afraid for their lives um but but i think it's just an unfortunate situation you know really it's an unfortunate uh series of events but uh yeah no i don't think he really planned on the mass hysteria he i'd imagine that he probably was like oh my gosh like yeah. my story was that good awesome <laughs> But i better go say something
1: yeah <laughs> Well, and like I had discussed with you at the beginning of the show, there were talks of the mass hysteria being nothing more than a hoax because mm-hmm. people didn't kill themselves, but it was said that supposedly people were, were trying to or whatever. Um <laughs> I honestly don't think that was a hoax either. I think people really were scared. I mean, we're in 1938 where – uh World War II is is going on. This is pre Roswell, and people are still scared of extraterrestrials coming and taking over the world. Uh, but one thing that kind of makes you wonder is: was everybody already on edge with us going into World War II?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, sure, and, and you know that's one of the big.
0: Uh, arguments here as to why people did freak out as badly as they did uh, you know with the whole thought of World War II and just everything happening they didn't know what was happening you know I mean <laughs> everyone's on the brink they, they have family that's being shipped out overseas you know to fight in a war that nobody necessarily wanted to participate in and uh, you know it, it, it just happened so quickly at the time for the war and so yeah a lot of people were already on edge with it all and this just kind of put another nail in that into that coffin and got people freaking out.
1: <clears throat> yeah. I, and, you know, it, you think back I mean, you try to get into that, that mindset, unfortunately this day and age, it's hard because technology is way more advanced than it was. Um, mm-hmm. and, You know, even listening to this broadcast, cause I listened to it prior to the sh- doing the show and I'm like, I'm listening to this and I'm like, I I can tell it's fake. I can I can <laughs> I can hear it that it's fake. But when when you're on edge like that, you know, you're tuning into a broadcast that you missed the intro to it and it's basically like you were saying it cuts in with a news broadcast because they did that back in radio back then just like they do on TV now with breaking mm-hmm. news updates. Mm-hmm. You know that They do do that. So it's like, okay, well, you know, I guess I can see where it's happening. But at the same time, I'm coming from a different generation where things are different. So maybe that's why I'm not hearing it.
0: Right. Well, you know, the the big difference is the generation today and I should say the generations even uh, because people who even were alive back then and are still living today, um, if there are any, you know, or even just kids, we become accustomed to like the horror and what to expect from the world, you know, with the numerous wars happening th- since then, not just World War II, but the numerous after that. And people become more, uh, I think, hardened to what life throws at you. Uh, and so I think something like this happening today is nearly impossible, unless, of course, somebody was able to orchestrate something where the same story or something similar appeared on every single news, radio network, or TV network uh to bring it to you, you know, because otherwise, you know, people today are like, oh wait, this this seems real, but it seems fishy. Let me check another source. Boom. Nothing. You know? Or oh let me go online and check. Oh, this is just a fake, blah, blah, blah. You know, within minutes people are going to come up and say, oh, this is just, you know, a rumor and, and tell you the truth. So you know, I think a lot of it is not just what people have experienced throughout time, but I think it's just the media that we have today at our disposal between uh, news, the regular, you know, regular television shows, uh, movies, internet, you name it, our phones, whatever. It, we've always got sources that are going to confirm or.
1: Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you're right on that one. Um, all right, folks, before we get too much further into it, We are going to go to Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day.
0: Did you know that plastic will one day outnumber fish? According to FactSlides.com, in just three decades, the world's oceans will contain more discarded plastic than fish when measured by weight.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we've been discussing the War of the Worlds by Orson Welles. So uh, before we got to break... Eric had mentioned that, you know, nowadays compared to 1938, we're a little more hardened, and I'm assuming that would also mean desensitized Mm -hmm. to something that would have been very scary to people back then. Uh, I mean, and, and I do agree, because look at, for example, horror movies nowadays, how much they've escalated to the point of we're so desensitized that we want we need to see people basically ripped to shreds to be scared or flabbergasted about it. But right. I mean, even now there are people that are like, "Oh, that's just fake." Yeah. I don't know what I was. I thought I was <laughs> yeah, crocheting, but I mean, <laughs> nowadays that would Do be that a 1938 thing. Things. So, um, <laughs> so. It's kind of yeah, just one of those things where it's like we we've come to the point where nothing shocks us anymore, and like we had talked about that woman running into the church nowadays or back then, and and compared to nowadays where people are like, you're nuts, go away. And I think that's kind of the point too is even if the end of the world came, people would are so desensitized to it. They're like you're just you're just pulling my leg there's it
0: wouldn't they would never see it coming it, it wouldn't you know <laughs> i mean when you think about it because like how many end of the world case scenarios have you and i discussed on this radio show over the last eight years yeah. you know it's a lot there's a lot uh and really beginning with uh the year the year 2012 so i mean that in itself we yeah you know that's quite a quite a few uh episodes that we did between 2012, 13, 14, 15. Every year, somebody comes out with a new theory as to how the world is going to end and how it's going to end this year. And there's one for this year, too. 2017, right? Yeah. Uh, about uh, what planet? You know, I don't... You know, I don't Nibiru. It. Yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> about Nibiru uh, colliding with Earth, basically, and destroying us completely. And again, like, the, the science just doesn't make sense uh with it all and of course we're gonna i think we are gonna be getting into that in a future episode but uh so more on that later but regardless it's just there's so many people who are out to prove that the end of the world is going to happen and never happens so people yeah become desensitized and it's just you know there's no fear factor anymore with it
1: well i mean regardless of your belief system like you're you're not going to see the end of the world coming. Like you can't predict that these certain events, I mean, you may predict certain events happening, but you're not going to predict that a meteor 150 years from now is going to come and collide with earth. Right. And I mean, you're not going to know that because, and even if you say you do, something's going to happen that, that meteor passes right by Earth with no no damage whatsoever. No so threat. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So one thing I wanted to bring up is in 1960, there was a court deposition uh, that Orson Welles was a part of as a lawsuit against CBS. Um, and he said this in his disposition about the, his inspiration for the War of the Worlds. And he says, and I quote, I had conceived the idea of doing a radio broadcast in such a manner that a crisis would actually seem to be happening and would be broadcast in such a dramatized form as to appear to be a real event taking place at that time rather than a mere radio play. And I got that from Smithsonian Magazine dot, or mag.com. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, Orson Welles was the inventor of reality TV right <laughs> and you before,
0: know before people knew rea- what reality tv r- was so you know it's like actually scary
1: right well and i mean reality tv today is scary right. <laughs> but very little reality to it well, it's just, exactly <laughs> you know. exactly my point orson well <laughs> got that ball rolling rolling thanks and, Wells, <laughs> thank you for this crap you <laughs> jerk so i mean and I think that goes along that same point of desensitization. Like, you don't see uh shows like we had growing up, the, the sitcoms that we had growing up, like Family Matters, you know, Full House, all those shows that were, I guess you could call wholesome TV shows. And uh so what do we have to do? We have to up our game to the next level. Yeah. So... And
0: then you get to 2017, you realize there's people don't know how to up the game anymore. So it's just repeats of everything. <laughs> and it's really boring, like Fuller House. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what's interesting about this whole thing with Wells is, you know, I, I think not. I mean, most people who know the story would under would know it. But Orson Wells is only 23 years old when he actually broadcast. Uh, this story. I mean, pretty young at the time, you know, yeah. did you just do something like
1: this? And it's I think actually, a lot of. Uh, back then, 23, you were a man because. <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, today you got to be 40 before you're considered.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people, when they hear the name Orson Welles, they think of him as the the writer the director the actor of citizen kane which many many people claim to be the best american film ever made uh which was made in 1941 now you know i'm not going to stand here and claim that it is the best even those people who will argue with me but it doesn't matter it's up to opinion there's no such thing as a rule as what is good and what isn't mm. it's based it's all based on opinion um but regardless, what people don't realize is that Orson Welles, in his career of media, actually began in radio. Uh, and even though he started, you know, he started dabbling with films uh, not too early. He was, you know, in close to his 30s or, or uh, I'm sorry, 20s already. Uh, in 1934, he created a short called "The Hearts of Age," um, and he kind of worked mostly with voice acting, and whatnot, through the radio. But what's interesting is because of this particular broadcast Orson Welles believed at the time that it would just completely ruin his career because of the outburst and you know what we would consider success as well. Uh, and, and it frightened him. But it turned out that this Particular publicity that involved him and his story, or his reenactment of H. G. Wells's *War of the Worlds*, actually landed him his first contract in a Hollywood studio, which again brought us *Citizen Kane* in 1941. So it's really amazing how the media system really works together as a whole. Because you know, people, you know, you, you hear me and Justin talk about radio and TV and movies all the time on the show. Um, And we never get into in depth, but it's kind of cool to see how everything's linked and how people really want to see, uh, or in this case, listen to something that's really new and different and will get people's uh, emotions stirred because that's what film does. You know, it's Mm. meant to get people to be moved in some way or another. So it's really interesting how something that appeared really bad for the majority of the United States ended up being really good for one single guy uh who just really broke into Hollywood and that was it. He just took off from there. So,
1: well, it's crazy. It just goes to show that controversy does. I mean, it, it can go both ways I think like you're saying, but it, yeah. it, it can uh catapult you to starlight status. Uh, one thing that I found interesting was that he was the voice of the shadow of the show, the shadow, which I've heard a couple episodes of, and I was a fan of the shadow movie with Alec Baldwin. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, even, he was younger doing that particular role before he got to this point where he did War of the Worlds, and mm-hmm. I mean, that's to me is a huge a- accomplishment in itself. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I found fascinating too, uh, going back to the whole fact that I was kind of dumbfounded by people being fooled by this radio broadcast was, I mean, they knew who they were turning in, tuning into this Orson Welles and the Mercury, um, troop i guess you could call them uh they uh they had re- re- reenacted novels numerous times so mm-hmm. i mean you know who you're you're tuning into again why wouldn't your mind flop to that but like we discussed i mean everybody was on edge but it's just interesting that they knew what they were tuning to and it still didn't like click hey this might be orson welles's show this week right so one thing that i tried to look into because like i said at earlier in the show i had asked you about do do you think he intended to cause mass hysteria i was trying to see if he was in with any type of secret societies freemasons what we would Mm -hmm. call the illuminati uh you know any any type of secret organization at all and i didn't find anything where it would link him to that right did you find anything where it would be a almost like a conspiracy theory for him no absolutely not
0: and I, i i have a feeling that there's some people that we know or that listen to our show at least that might have an idea or find some kind of link some way, somehow, and I'd be interested to hear what they think. But personally, I found absolutely nothing because, you know, considering I know we've been talking about uh, a real life event that was completely fictional and yet created real life's, you know, unfortunate scenarios. But <clears throat> this is still paranormal radio show. So, you know, for for those of you tuning in, because I know, you know, we pl- we post these shows on Facebook and a number of other media, Instagram and Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and so I know there's people who might be tuning in interested because they're like, oh, War of the Worlds or some wells. I want to hear this, hear what they got to say. Um, mm-hmm. but now you're probably like, wait a second, Freemasonry and Illuminati and what are you guys <laughs> talking about? <laughs> this, this is a paranormal radio show, folks, so we got to bring it up. Um, but no, you know what? I did not find anything. Uh, and it's interesting because nowadays we hear a lot about, uh, you know, mainstream actors or, you know, stars, we'll just say in general, celebrities uh, who are either claimed to be or have even come out themselves to say in some way or another they're, that they're a part of a, an association such as Illuminati, mm. uh, which I don't deny exists. But I think their active role isn't as active as, you know, many claim it to be. Um but nonetheless, I mean, a role is a role, period. Um, and a society is a society. You know, we're going to see that regardless of, of what year we're in. It's never going to die away. But um, in, in this particular case, though I've already said it twice, I'll say it a third time, I did not find anything in which Orson Welles was Illuminati or Freemason. Okay.
1: Well, and I mean, I was trying to link it somehow because, like, I I do agree that I don't think he originally intended to um but like I said there were a couple of different things that I found that said he eventually said I yeah I did or hinted at I I knew what would happen sort of a thing well, so I was trying to put myself into a mind frame of, okay, so if he changed his story from no, I didn't intend to it, to hinting that yes, I did, or saying yes, I did, did was he a part of something that was like supposed to be bigger than than mm-hmm. us or whatever? But then I put myself into the mind frame of a well known actor, writer, director. And what better way to cause more controversy than to say, guess what? I knew what would happen the entire time. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, and that's that's really what it is. It's all about publicity in, the, in these cases, you know. Uh, even today, you know, if you're not publicly known, like really known, then you're a nobody in the entertainment industry. You know, it's kind of messed up, but that's the way it is. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, saying I wouldn't doubt that he had a publicist helping him out to some extent on what to say and what not to say uh, in an effort to create some kind of momentum to push him forward. Uh, even though much of what he was doing could have very well pushed him backward. It was one of those sacrifice all type things mm. in the hopes of gaining something more. And in which case successfully worked out in his favor. Um but, you know, I think most people uh, in the entertainment industry, uh, writers, directors, etc. I think they try to bring a huge uh, controversial aspect to what they're writing, as long as it's actually uh, meant to be controversial, because obviously not everything is going to be, you know, uh, depending on the story. But, it, yeah, that's the type of thing that sparks uh, discussion and gets your name known. You know, I've heard many times that, uh, people who say that that bad publicity is just that bad publicity but i've heard other people say that all publicity is good publicity good or bad because one way or the other people are going to talk about you and the chances are even if you're if you're getting bad publicity somebody out there's going to like what you do and they're going to give you a shot you know mm. so you know, and there's plenty of stories that are recent about that too it's just
1: well, you got to said, said where you want to go on the show too, and I've said this to a couple of podcasting friends. Haters are always gonna hate, mm-hmm. and you know what?
2: Haters gonna hate,
0: hate, 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 hate. <laughs> what? I didn't, I didn't see that. <laughs> no, well, I mean
1: that. T- Taylor Swift had a point. Um, yeah. I, I mean, regardless of what side they jump on or what your opinion is, they're always gonna hate. But you know what? There are going to be people that listen to the haters and like, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. They they said what? They said what? Right. I got to go listen and find out and figure it out for myself.
0: Exactly. Uh, by the way, that's four grand, tay for the name drop. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> send that to
1: my address. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> you're not, you're not going to give it out on air. You're just like, my address. No, <laughs> no I thought about it. I was like, I probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> I'll tell you what.
0: Eric at gmail.com. <laughs> That's my personal email address. Everybody,
1: so you know. <laughs> you get that once, only once. <laughs> <laughs> so uh one thing that kinda popped in my head here, in your opinion, coming from a an entertainment background, um, do you feel that Orson Walls is a um uh I guess hero, not not necessarily that big, but an influencer of, of what we do today and what you do as a, as a screenwriter. Yeah. yeah. You know, for a moment then when you started saying, you
0: know, asking the questions, like, I'm, of course I'm going to lie and say no. But,
2: <laughs> you
0: know. um, yeah, of course he's, you know, I think everyone uh, in the entertainment industry, if um, especially if you're well-known is an influence in some way or another. Um, and I think in this case, you know, coming up from the radio and just creating the controversy and showing what kind of emotions you can stir and how to do it. Like you read the script, it's really well written. And even though it's not your typical film script, it gives you a strong idea of what we as entertainers, whether radio or television, movies, or, you know, even musicians, what you should strive for. And it's really striving for getting people talking and really, uh, You know, getting that emotion. No matter what that emotion is, it could be fear, it could be joy, it could be sadness. You know, you name it. Uh, So, in regards to storytelling, I think uh, Orson Welles is was is I don't know what to say here (laughs) one of the best. Uh, um, But you know, there's plenty of good storytellers out there, and like I said, I think everyone, uh, even people who aren't famous. Uh, are really good storytellers. I got friends who are really good storytellers, and they've been an influence to me, Um, you know, in regards to radio. uh, This is going to sound corny, guys, and, you know, just... But even my co-host here, Justin, has been an influence in regards to radio and writing, too. Uh, He reads a lot of my scripts that I write, whether they're short or feature films.
1: Um, I think that goes vice versa for, for us in particular because we have been working together for so long.
0: Yeah, um... And so, yeah, you know, I think he definitely was and is an influence to this day. People still love Citizen uh, Citizen Kane. I know people who continue to watch it to this day, over and over again, because they love it's their favorite movie. Um, and he'll continue to be an influence uh, from here on out. And obviously, he must be if we're talking about Hidden and right. yeah. his
1: stories. So, I you know, well, said. And I mean, I, I I honestly don't know if we would have ever touched base on this if it didn't come up to mass hysteria with k it might have but i I mean it probably would have been a little bit further down the road so um you know those fans of citizen kane do they talk like this where it's everything outside the walls and you know everything's everywhere or gosh (laughs) you know
0: what we're gonna do a special segment where you can just talk like that for 10 minutes straight get it all out of your system
1: i think you should do the end of the show like this everything is just so super and high and mighty
0: He's been talking like this even before the show he was talking like this. You just see him. If you're not watching the uh, YouTube channel, he's flinging his arms around and going (laughs) just all crazy and weird. I swear that – oh, man.
1: Settle down, man. Settle down. I honestly think you should say peace just like this at the end of the show.
0: (laughs) I'll try. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can bring myself to do it now. Oh, man. You know what? I think it's time for a second break. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> On that note, folks, we're going to take our second and last break of the evening. You are listening to Pirate Youth Radio with two of the awesome, most awesome co-hosts in the universe. Uh, we'll be right back at the Justin's Paranormal Headlines. Peace.
2: Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the Professional, Professional Book, Book Nerds. Nerds.
1: Two Mondays a month, we interview authors and talk about their upcoming books, what drives them, and their go-to order at the cafe.
2: And
1: now, Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. How's it going, Parafans? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines, and these headlines are from unexplainedmysteries.com. Scientists invent UV Spider-Man adhesive. German scientists have developed a new type of super-strong adhesive that it reacts to ultraviolet light. Developed by a team led by Emre Kazilkin from, from Kiel University, the adhesive device features a surface texture inspired by the feel of geckos combined with, with a porous, light-sensitive film. The film is made from azobenzene, a molecule that curls when exposed to ultraviolet light. The surface, which is comprised of tiny mushroom-shaped pillars, sticks to other surfaces via Van der Waals forces, So by turning a UV light on or off, it is possible to enable or disable the adhesive. The scientists are hoping to combine this technology with robotics to one day make it possible to climb up the side of buildings and other surfaces like the comic book superhero Spider-Man. The adhesive is in fact so sticky that a 20 centimeter square of it is enough to support an adult male. While it's still in its early days yet, encountering a dirty wall, for instance, can clog it up... The team is hoping to begin developing spider-like wall-climbing bots in the near future. The global aim is to make an adhesive to climb surfaces for humans, said Kazilkin. Man claims he punched an alien in the face. John Mooner insists that he not only tried to hit an alien, but that he even has photographic proof. Mooner, who is from Devon in the UK, maintains that he has been abducted multiple times by extraterrestrials, over the last few years after experiencing periods of missing time. Eager to find evidence of this, he decided to look up his own house on Google Earth and discovered to his surprise an image of what he believes to be an alien entity attempting to take him away. The shocking thing about this was that it's me being abducted by a gray alien and the satellite image clearly shows me trying to fight off the gray alien by punching it in the face, he said. Looking at the image, it appears that the alien has blocked my punch and has grabbed my fist and must have been able to subdue me. I was left speechless by what I saw. Suffice to say, however, the image is far too pixelated to make anything out with any degree of certainty. The two figures, for instance, could be little more than two items of garden furniture. Furthermore, even if the image does show two people, why should one of them be an alien? Despite these doubts, however, Luna remains convinced about what happened. I was abducted, and this satellite image proves it. He said. And this has been Justin with your paranormal headlines.
0: This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. back folks to Pure Truth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. Well, we have been talking about Orson Welles and his update of H.G. Wells's 19th century science fiction novel, War of the Worlds, which broadcast October 30th, 1938 at 8pm.
1: Um, One thing that I do have to bring up was there's no relation here. It's oh, yeah, two definitely. totally different people, two to- totally different families. S- similar last names, but H.G. Wells was W-E-L-L-S. Orson Wells was W-E-L-L-E-S. Could there have been some relation there? Maybe. But as far as I've seen, there was no relation as far as the actual two uh, creative minds.
0: Thank you for bringing that up. Well, folks, we are, uno- unfortunately, I was going to say unofficially. What? Um, I mean, we are. Well, we are officially. You know we are officially unofficially. at the end of the show, but unofficially at the end of the show because the show always goes on. Behind the scenes, yeah. post production, <laughs> next week, et cetera, et cetera, pre production. Anyway, folks, it has been an awesome time speaking with you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it was it was fun for me, you know, kind of kind of tackling something a little different. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Uh, really diving into the history of this particular media of radio, you know,
1: and television, how they connect. Yeah. So, um, well, one thing I wanted to say is we are now a part of the Fringe Radio Network. Make sure you go to FringeRadio.com to check out every show there. And next week, we have Don Zagetis about the Sagan Conspiracy, where we're going to be talking about NASA's conspiracy of ancient aliens or ancient astronauts. So until next week, folks, where you will hear us same time, same channel, my name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Pure Truth Radio and you would like to listen
0: to it again, or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can find them at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and the Fringe Radio Network.
1: Or for a one-time fix of all of your Paratruth needs, simply drop in to paratruthradio.com. And of course, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter and
0: Instagram for brand new updates on our show every day.
1: Finally, we love bringing you fresh, entertaining media each and every week, but we can't do it without you. So please check out our Patreon account. Simply go to paratroothradio.com, click on the Patreon logo, and help us to continue bringing you the latest and greatest in paranormal research.
2: Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a -a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to StoicismPod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.